And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. No? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Put it in the corner! Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Merry Christmas week, as we are officially in the week 16. It's a Christmas Eve game this week. Against the Arizona Cardinals, a very winnable game. Welcome into Hogan Johns. Uh, before we get to the game coming up later this week, Johns, we still got to put a bow on that disaster in Cleveland the other day, the collapse in Cleveland, whatever we want to call Christmas it. Christmas bow? Yeah, Christmas bow. Didn't feel like Christmas. Um, definitely not a Christmas present for Bears fans. Maybe not a Christmas present for Matt Eberflus. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. You can read Johnsy in The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can also read our guest today, Randy Mueller, former GM, uh, who is part of the um, football GM portion of the athletic football show. It's a whole bunch of different He would be the GM. Yeah. Yes, he would be the general manager. Does a great job with Mike Sando. Uh, I love listening to the GM perspective. So we thought we'd have Randy on today. Before we get to Randy to talk a little bit about big picture stuff with this Bears team with Justin Fields, I literally right before we got done or started recording here, just got done finishing up the tape, the offensive tape, just the offense um, from that game on Sunday. And John's, I mean, it's bad, dude. It is rough. It is. It was hard to watch, and it was hard to watch live in person. Yeah, but it was definitely one of those games where it was like even as bad as it was in the game, it was like worse when you actually looked at all the intricacies of what was happening. Uh, Fields wasn't good, as I sort of suspected. I thought he might show up worse on the tape than he looked live because you may. I you did a great job on the post game the other day, just kind of putting things in perspective. Like you can't have. Your quarterback just can't make four outstanding plays a game. And then the rest be eh. And when it was all said and done, like he graded out in the negative for me, even with those flash plays that he had. So, but just beyond that, like taking the quarterback out of it for a second, the running backs are awful blocking right now. Do you think Khalil Herbert, I think this came up on the podcast after, I, I don't think he's healthy. I don't either. It wasn't a good blocker to begin with for, for those situations, those third down situations. But I think there's a reason why Foreman is the first back or has been the first back in 
three consecutive games, I believe, even with Herbert on the active roster. But Foreman's probably your worst pass blocking back, too. And we knew that in training camp. And then I, Roshan, I still like Roshan, but it's two things with him. Like, he has not been as good in pass protection as I thought he would be. Maybe that's just rookie struggles, and he's got to refine his technique at this level. But he also just doesn't finish runs to me. Like, just do you think that's an end result of his concussion earlier, where he did seem to finish runs with some violence? Maybe, maybe, but I do know that fourth and one play that we talk so much about where Justin just gets tripped up. And that to me, that was play of the game. Roshan's got to get the first down on the play before that should have been fourth and one. So just little stuff like that. I don't know what's going on with Darnell Mooney, but he is just not the same player he used to be. And I don't, I don't get it. Sometimes it looks even like effort and blocking the routes aren't necessarily crisp like they used to be. I know you wanted to bring up, you know, some of his comments after the game too. Um, why don't you summarize those? Well, I mean, I so- I'm just like, so I wasn't part of that scrum. I, I overheard it as I was going on my way to talk to Eddie Jackson. You can read Eddie Jackson's comments in my column today on the athletic.com. Um, but other reporters picked up on something he was saying about offensive complacency. And they were asking others around the room. And I was in a scrum with Montez Sweat. And he was like, not at all. I thought we were doing our job. Like the defense is feeling good about itself. So whatever was feeling, whatever those feelings were, were restricted to the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think like Eberflus said he didn't sense it, which might be a criticism of Eberflus down the road. Um, I don't think Fields quite shared the same belief. Um, Cole Komet, who talked yesterday, didn't seem to share the same belief. I mean, obviously something is broken in offense. Something is not working. I think it's very layered at this point. But just interesting comments from a player who is, let's be honest, uh, a great player, a good player for this team, and has been for viewers who is underperforming. I think that offensively, saying it's broken is a good word. It was just a little bit of everything. It was even like footwork in certain situations where you're asking, you, you have like your inside foot's up, but you need to block the guy to your right. Um, well, how are you supposed to get there in that position if you're on the receivers? Uh, there was one. Actually, one was Kari blasting game where I think Fields got sacked on the play. And he, the guy he had to block, it was a DB came wide from the right, like to his right. But he's like basically lined up with his back to him. You know, like you got to open up and maybe they don't want to give it away. But like I don't know. And then there was another one late in the game where Cole Komet just had no chance to block Miles Garrett. And that's another thing off this tape. Like credit the Browns. We know the Browns are a really good defense. Miles Garrett's unbelievable. They move them everywhere. Greg Newsom had a great game. Cam Mitchell makes that play. There was um the whole there was one play where it looked like the nose tackle might have been off sides. I think he just got a really, really good jump the closer I looked at it. And he's jumping the silent snap count. Which again goes back to some of the offensive design things, whether we're talking footwork technique cadence it, it's just it's like everything is 
70% of what it needs to be in the NFL. And then on top of that, it looked like clearly on, on tape, you had DJ Moore was playing maybe 60% healthy. And, and that's well, and, and from, from the, the notebook of Adam Johns, the first deep ball that fields missed more. I, I thought he had him. Did you watch the film? Did he have yeah. him? He had him, right? Missed yeah, he, I, I thought he had him. And he had him by I a did few steps. Yeah. But DJ Moore took himself out after that play. Usually long passes, re- receivers remove themselves. But looking back at my notes, he sat there for a while and like played with his ankle a bit before coming back into the game. So yeah, to your point, first play of the game, missed deep ball. Moore is, well, not himself, as good as he usually is. Look, the Bears know more about his health than, than we do. Guy was questionable with an ankle injury. It was limited in practice. Is it really smart to do a goal ball to him on the first play of the game? I don't know. But it, you're right. He, I don't know if he aggravated it. Was it was there, though. It was there. And no, I think he aggravated it on the, the actual collision and tackle. It, yeah, it wasn't so on the actual run. Yeah. Right. But then he wasn't the same the rest of the game. So I actually don't mind that play call just in terms of trying to get an early explosive play on a, on a defense that's pretty darn aggressive and good at, at limiting such things. Well, the other thing I'll say is if you notice in the first quarter, I thought the Bears actually tried a lot of vertical stuff. They tried to take some shots. I know there's a lot of talk about the wind direction um, and how they didn't have the wind in the second quarter when they needed that field goal from Cairo and said they had to try to hail Mary. But I think like, so remind me the Browns won the toss and took the ball. Yeah. Right? And they took, they took the wind for. So the, and, so the bears. Took the wind be- yeah. In but the first quarter, it ended up being beneficial for the Browns later in the game. Yes. This is actually something. Okay. We don't need to get into this right now, but in the NFL, though, don't you still get the choice at halftime too? I believe so. Um, I believe this is like line, though. Like when we were listening to, it's your, it's, th- this is early morning memories here in Cleveland talk radio in my, my Uber ride to the airport. But they were praising Stefanski for playing the win right in Cleveland. I'm just going off what they were talking about, like Truth before the game. I, yes, no. Yeah. This is after the game. This is the day after. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got you. I just, I think the, but I guess what I'm getting is, I think the Bears took the wind in the first quarter for for the for the passing game. Remember, it's that was yeah. the rainiest it was. Fields has got two gloves on his hand. If you actually look, I didn't notice it in game. You look at the tape. He's at well, one point he took the glove off in the third quarter, then he put it back on on his throwing hand. I didn't think he was as accurate as he has. I didn't think this was his most accurate game. There are a few balls that sailed. Um. There's definitely a miscommunication that he explained after the game between him and Mooney that almost led to the one of the news one of the two near Greg Newsom interceptions. Which is another thing. Like this, how how would you describe their chemistry on the field? It's not good. You just go by the hard numbers. It's not productive. And, and yeah, the numbers, the tape, whatever. And I don't understand that. Like these that was supposed to be like the one like uh, how many words have been written about them and their relationship and the chemistry that's supposed to be there. And it was like DJ Moore was here for a month and we we're like, Oh, that's what actual chemistry is. 
I'm at this point in at least my Darnell Mooney evaluation, wondering if the lack of a contract is kind of hanging over his performances. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that can go the pressure to perform. I should say, right? It can, that that can because that can be a double edged sword. Like a lot of guys will have their best year in a contract year, and then other guys won't. So, you know, you got to give him credit. He he doesn't complain. You know, he seems like a great teammate. Um, certainly wide receivers in this situation. And there was one the Bears had a few months ago that they got rid of um, would handle things a lot differently. But it's still something is just something's off there. So in conclusion, I guess not surprisingly, that tape was a rough watch. It was it was rough. And I and I getting back to our discussion from Sunday, I I think it in a weird way, maybe Justin Fields time with the Chicago bears began and ended in Cleveland. Wow. 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 What did you make of Luke Getze's play calling? I, I want to go in the two situations, like the double dip opportunity where they went scoreless. What did you make of what happened there? You got your notes in front of you of the play calling, the play calling, just, yeah. just like what happened Late second quarter, what happened with that awful three and out? I'm looking at it on the play sheet right here. I know it started with a four yard loss by Deontay Foreman in the third quarter, but yeah, what's going on? T- take me through it. Well, that was actually a promising drive. Uh, I had fields with two nice passes. This is the uh, last drive of the second quarter. Yeah, one one to DJ Moore that went for twenty. That's the the deep dig right with where the seam clears out. Yeah, and the dig comes underneath. Um. And he had a nice, also nice throw to Cole Komet in that situation. Uh, Trying to see here. And then I had a miss to Mooney there at the end. I don't know. For some reason, I'm not, I'm not remembering the specific plays that were, even though I have these notes in front of me right here. Fields brought up that miss to Mooney himself. Yeah. That that's three points in his opinion, three points missed. Yeah, and I had it down as a fields as it was on fields, not on Darnell. Um, and you're right because it was a short throw that probably gets them in. F- oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm remembering that. Yeah, they were just trying to get the, um, get the yardage they needed in that situation to get in field goal range, and and Fields just threw it low and behind him. It just wasn't a good ball. So and look, a lot of these there were there were probably five of other misses in this game that I didn't dock Fields for. Because he's got a hand here hitting his hand. There's just, I mean, there's pressure the entire game. Nate Davis did not have a good game. No. Lucas Patrick no. did not have a good game. They missed Tevin Jenkins. Like I, I felt like there was a reason why Miles Garrett was out in the field waiting to pick up Tevin Jenkins after he suffered his injury. That felt like notable to me. Like yeah. Tevin Jenkins. But I actually thought Cody Whitehair held his own. Yeah. Fair it enough. It was just um, yeah, it was just kind of a little bit of everything. And it, and it, technique. I mean, you name it. Technique, effort, um, execution, accuracy from the quarterback. It's just, it was just a really bad. It was really bad. Disappointing in such a big game. Um, all right, we'll take a quick jaunt over to. Oh, I, I guess 
what I said a few minutes ago about what it means for Fields. That's why we're having Randy Mueller on today. To to how, how did the GMs look at this situation now? Because when I say that, I'm not necessarily like banging my table here, being like, this has got to be it for Fields. It's more so me looking at it from like what I think an NFL GM, how they would handle yeah. the situation and what I just feel like this is inevitably headed towards, which we've hinted at now for, I think, a couple months. So let's bring Randy into the show and, and have a deeper discussion on this. All right. Well, Randy Mueller, of course, a former GM of both the Saints and the Dolphins in the league forever. Still doing great stuff in the XFL and great stuff with the Athletic, of course. And you can hear him uh, on the football GM portion of the Athletic Football Show feed that we always tell you you should be subscribed to as well. Randy, big quarterback decisions here in Chicago. We wanted to get your perspective. Thanks for jumping on with us today. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things. Uh, holiday cheer in Chicago is is, is uh, not easy to enjoy with all of these pending decisions. That's for sure. <laughs> well, unless you got the first pick, right? So maybe uh, well, let's start with there. Like, um, where do you, like where do you start if you're a GM looking at what's next for the quarterback? Like, like how appealing is a fresh start, like having a rookie quarterback contract, you know, like, where do you start? Well, I think you're right. It's, it's a convoluted question with a lot of antennas. Um, I'm, I'm sure Ryan Poles has thought through this many more times than maybe the three of us, but it all starts with options, right? It depends on what your options are. And I think that's how you probably come to the decision. Um, you do whatever decision you make as far as quarterback goes. And in this case, it is a pretty good year to have the first pick if indeed they end up with it. Um, You have what some have called a a generational talent in Caleb Williams from SC that in all likelihood comes out in the draft and and really forces uh, the Bears to make a decision, one, on Justin Fields, and two, uh, what they do with their own pick which probably is going to be a top 10 pick as well. So a lot of ways to improve your team. I think it's all good from a Bears fans standpoint, but I think you've got to consider options. I've said all along that I think Justin Fields is probably playing and auditioning for another gig somewhere else in the league this last month of the season, really no matter how good he plays and how productive he can be. Um, I don't know what the Bears are going to do. Everybody has a little bit of different criteria, um, but there's there's a lot of discussion points, right? And as my co-host on the GM podcast, Mike Sando says, we got to put them in buckets, Randy. We got to put them in buckets. So you've got the Justin Fields bucket, you've got the Kalen Williams bucket, you've got the Matt Eberflus bucket, you've got the Luke Getze bucket, and you've got the whole offensive system and philosophy going forward. What do you want to do with that? So you can pick your bucket, but eventually you gotta you gotta sort it all out. All right. Well, let's talk about the the Justin Fields bucket then. What what what's in that bucket? The the good and the bad. How how do you look at him when you say he's he's auditioning for other teams? If you're a, another team in the league right now that needs a quarterback that can't get access to Caleb Williams or Drake May in this draft, what do you see? What would you still want there from Justin Fields? Well, I have been a Justin Fields guy since he came out. I believe that he has the skill sets to improve as a passer. And when I say that, I'm talking about as a pocket passer. My belief is just that eventually these quarterbacks 
have to prove they can beat you from the pocket. And if not, you've got to configure an offense that is really outside the box thinking that, again, my opinion is I don't know if that will be good enough to win a Super Bowl. So unless they can prove they can beat you from the pocket, I think it's an uphill battle. I happen to think Justin Fields has shown signs of doing that. I think there's still some particular things that he struggles with finding targets sometimes. His vision is clouded at times. Um, I think his timing and anticipation of when he can deliver the ball has always been there. I think the offense sometimes struggles to utilize that part of his game because he's such a good athlete. So there's there's ingredients within fields that I think he has proved to this point that he can be a viable option as a starting quarterback. And not only that, a, a, a top half of the league starting quarterback somewhere in the league. The problem is you have to compare that with a kid, although he has not played in the NFL in Caleb Williams, but his skill set and ceiling starts a lot higher. And that's the that's the rub. All right, let's focus on that part of it, too, because I think about that all the time. I mean, it's sort of the what you know your quarterback is now yep. versus the unknown, as special as it is in one of these quarterbacks you might draft. When you're weighing as a general manager, Okay, if the if this quarterback you have now you don't think you win a Super Bowl with, is that just is that clear cut enough to take the chance on the the kid in the draft who, hey, maybe he do win a Super Bowl, but also maybe you lose your job over it because it doesn't work out. Well, I got news for you. Job security is obviously part of it, but you can't let that reflect the decision you end up making. You've got to be able to study the skill sets of these two players. Also know your scheme and your beliefs, what you're going to ask them to do, and then determine who can do it at the highest level, which in turn really is the highest ceiling of where your team can go. I think at the end of the day, when we talk about all these different buckets, it may be as simple as this. Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, is this system what he wants to run? Is this what the Bears want to run going forward? And this is when I say this is is the system they are operating with Justin Fields now, or do they have a vision of grander, of bigger, uh, more wide ranging skills that they want their quarterback to have? That to me is is really the vision is is what do we want to be as an offense? I think that will help him decide what quarterback fits the best. If you were uh, the GM of a team that wanted to look into trading for Justin Fields this offseason, which very well may happen. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, none of us are going to be able to know exactly what the market is or what it could be even in a few months, how things are always fluid. You know that, but just what would you, based on your evaluation, what would you be willing to give up for Justin Fields if if you are desperate enough to want to go trade for him? Well, I think two things. One, I think you have to match Justin Fields in another city, if, if, that's, if, if this is going to happen, with a coach who has a fresh start and an offense that matches his skill set. In other words, and that, this is unrealistic to, to think about it this way, but I think you have to have a vision. If you put Justin Fields in the Philadelphia Eagles offense, where are we? What happens with his skill set? Is that a good fit? For me, if you're going to hire Brian Johnson, is it the OC from the Eagles as a yeah. head coach somewhere? That system fits pretty good with Justin Fields. It kind of depends on... on the system and the coach who he enters in with to maximize what Justin Fields has. So 
I think it is about fit. And that's probably determining the value that somebody would pay. To answer your question specifically, you know, I, I could see someone giving them a, a second and a third round pick for Justin Fields, something like that. I don't think anybody's going to give them a, a top pick for, for where he's at right now. They're betting on the come as it is. So maybe it's a, a second round pick and something else that's determined by his, by his numbers after year one or, or some type of conditional pick as well. I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's every team's situation and how they picture him fitting in and how excited they are about that vision, I guess could uh, definitely uh, affect the value. I, I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. You know, regardless of what happens here with fields, I'm sorry, did you have something on that? No, I was just going to say, as we talk about the, the compensation, uh, it, it, it falls in line with, with what the options are. We talk about the Bears options, but these other teams, if they don't have the options, like you said, if they can't get in, I'm not a Drake May guy, but let's just say one of these other quarterbacks in the draft, if they don't have a chance at somebody they have conviction for, then they're apt to pay even more. And so I think the timing of moving to Justin Fields might have something to do with the compensation they can get for him. So I wouldn't be in a rush if I was a Bears fan to get rid of him as soon as the season gets over. You might This might be one that they maximize value by waiting till April, mid-April, a couple of days before the draft as, as I push back the window. Sorry. Randy, the other part of the, well, I guess the evaluation, the conversation here in Chicago is, well, offensive coordinator Luke Getze's place, I guess, in... Yep. Justin Fields' lack of development. I guess, first off, what do you think of Luke Getze's play calling, his scheme? And then what do you think of the Bears' you know, personnel and offense in general? Well, I, I, and I just mentioned that. I think that the that might be the biggest question of all these buckets is where do we see Luke Getze and his system? And is this what we want to run going forward? Now, I don't really know if we've got a chance to see his system or if he's been forced to run a system that might suit Justin feels the best. So I don't know the answer to that. I think Matt Eberflus has proved he's a pretty good coach. I think the fact that he has fixed this defense for the most part on the fly is a feather in his cap. Um, I think Justin Fields, we've talked about, that's a work in progress. The, the bigger picture is, do we have a team builder in Ryan Poles that can put together a group that can progress us no matter who the quarterback is. I don't know if we know the answer to that yet. And I'm not saying Ryan is a good evaluator, bad evaluator. I don't know. I just don't think we know yet because I think the jury's still out on some of the pieces that he's brought in um, and, and time will tell if that happens. So there are some moving parts that we're trying to judge. And sometimes when we put a limit on our time to judge these parts, we get ourselves in trouble. I just don't think we body of work is enough and we may have to wait that out. Randy, you said you're out on Drake May, or maybe you didn't say you're out, but uh, you, you're not a Drake May guy. Um, it, the the thing about Caleb Williams, I, I, I like them both. Caleb Williams' size worries me compared to Drake May's size. It sounds like you would prefer Caleb Williams. What's your evaluation there between those two? Yeah, for me, for me, it's not not close. Um, I think Caleb Williams he, he'll measure just under six one. And he weighs 220 pounds. So it's not like we're talking about Bryce Young at 5'10", 180 pounds. This kid's a, a, a fit, sturdy frame. That's not an issue for me. The biggest asset that Drake may have is his measurables. And that being 6'4", 
230 or whatever it is. Um, I don't see the same anticipation, the same timing of throws out of Drake May. I don't see the, I see an arm strength that's just okay. I think the measurables in how you look at Drake May drive up his value for some. And I'm not saying you're wrong. This is just my preference. I have some doubts about Drake May when it comes to that. I just don't see the same qualities that I see in in Caleb Williams as far as anticipatory throws. And that's big for me. Timing, processing of information. I, I, I like Caleb's impromptu, his ability to extend plays, throw on the run. These are some of the things that I don't necessarily see with Drake May like like others do. But again, that's that's just why Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors, right? Everybody gets their favorite. I guess this is where it comes back to the fields conversation, because if you look at, well, well, Dame Brugler's, you know, evaluation of fields, like some of the, the processing concerns that Dane listed and others had of fields before the draft, like are, are still there. Like, is, is there a point where you're, where, where you've seen enough, you know, like when, when does that happen? Because quarterbacks, like, they find success at different points in the career. Like, you know, Geno Smith is probably the latest example. Like, but when is like the point of no return for a franchise or does one need more time? Like, I'm just trying to like, you're a former GM. Like when does that conversation happen? Like, like what is that conversation like, or it does it even happen? Well, it's definitely a process. I don't know that there's a line of delineation that says, Hey, after two and a half years, we have to know this. It depends. I mean, it's not like, Justin Fields has been through a steady diet of the same stuff where he can improve week in and week out. So much of a quarterback's development, as we all know, is, is the environment that they're in, right? And it is a process of how they uh, learn certain things. We ask a lot of these quarterbacks when we change systems, I don't think people realize how hard that is on them because they go from memorizing one system to memorizing another system. They never get to that second and third level of quarterback play in a system. And I've always thought that when, when, uh, whether it was with Mitch Trubisky or, or one of these other guys in, in New York, that the organization has let them down a little bit with the amount of change and the lack of quality they put around them so that they're always in survival mode. They're never in advance my trades mode. I played quarterback myself. I know as a freshman and sophomore, I wasn't equipped to, to be a starter. But by the time I got to be a junior and senior, I really knew the system. And when I played as a senior, if I would have had another year, I would have been way better as well. But it was the same system. If someone would ask me to learn a new system after my sophomore year, it, it would have set me back, no doubt. And so I'm trying to equate that with what we ask of these quarterbacks it's hard to work on your own trade when you're trying to make sure you're in the right spot and make the right huddle calls and get others lined up. Your, your advancement as a quarterback takes a second, takes a backseat to, to learning or memorizing or sorting out a new system. That's all. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why on this podcast, we've talked a lot about if the bears go down the road of coaching changes, I think that has to steal, seal the deal for Justin Fields because to ask him to learn another system next year with new coaches. Just it's the Jay Cutler story all over again. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. seem like it's wise. I want to ask you this though, Randy, because if there's one thing that Justin Fields definitely has inside the walls of Hallis Hall, that's support from his teammates. Like this is not a quarterback that has, you know, rumors of not getting along with guys or there's questions about his leadership. Like there's there it's the opposite. I mean, everybody believes in him as a leader and that's those intangibles are stuff you want from your quarterback. And I think that there's going to be 
I don't know how to phrase it, whether it's pushback or just disappointment. If the bears do move on from Justin Fields, I think there are going to be guys in that locker room that are going to be in his corner. That is something that's going to have to be overcome. How much as a GM, do you factor that into your decision at all? Well, I think you always have to factor the locker room. That's really the only area where I would go for the answers that I really cared about. I want to know what the players feel and I understand, and I want to understand why they feel like they do. So I always felt that that is really important ingredient to making decisions. I think it's, it's interesting in this case. And, and I concur with you, obviously you guys are closer to it than I am. The intangibles that Justin has displayed are outstanding. That's why I've said his comparison really should be with Jalen hurts. Only I think fields has more upside because he's, he's a better athlete. He's an explosive athlete. Let's just, for example, and I, I know this probably to be fairly true, Indianapolis drafted Anthony Richardson this year with, what, the fourth pick in the draft. He got hurt. Shane Steichen, had he not drafted him, had he been presented with a Fields option before that in that system, I'm pretty sure that Steichen would have cho- chosen Justin Fields and, and gone a different route. Uh, than, and that's nothing against Anthony Richardson, but Fields is more polished passer. So there there is a pretty good demand for a player like that out there. And, and I do think giving up something like that comes with a downside, like you said, of players know, players understand, that locker room understands as well. It, it probably, you know, is, is going to be a little hard for the new guy to win over that locker room. We're all big boys and, and, and he's going to have to win over a whole city from that standpoint. So, um, yeah, it's not without some intrepidation that a decision is made like that. Yeah, so what you're saying is, well, the Bears have had DJ Moore, Jalen Johnson uh, just the other day, uh, Darnell Mooney. And th- those are just three recent examples of players who have, well, DJ Moore the other night in Cleveland, like spoke out against drafting a quarterback in, in a sense, because mm-hmm. he doesn't think they're better than, than Justin. Like, so if you're Ryan Poles in, in hearing that, like, does that kind of change your course of action or do you have to have a conversation with all these players, especially if they're going to be here in 2024? Well, it definitely wouldn't change my course of action. I'm not going to let the players dictate what I do uh, at the end of the day, but they're going to have it. They're going to have, their say they have to be heard, but I would expect this team to come to the defense of Justin Fields. That doesn't shock me that they, they said that I, I would hope they would. Um, it does make you feel good for if you do decide that Justin is, is the preferred route makes you feel good about that. But I think you have to have a dialogue. They have to feel heard. You have to talk to all these guys, like you mentioned and have a dialogue with them the whole time. They have to get it. Um, what they say publicly may or may not be how they feel at the end of the day. If there was some doubt and let's just say I was the GM and I thought Caleb was the better option. I might bring these guys in and look at a little film with them because when I watch Caleb Williams on tape and I've seen him live and on tape, not many games that I don't watch that I'd say, wow, Wow. <laughs> so I think I could I think I could sell that one if if some selling was needed in the locker room. That's for sure. Randy, uh, really appreciate the insight here. I hope as we get closer to the draft and maybe have a little bit more clarity about what the Bears are doing. I'd love to, get, you know, pick your brain even more on some of those things you love about Caleb Williams. And, yep. uh, as you know, we got a lot of time until we get there. I know we interrupted sure. your writing. So, no, uh, no, no worries. Like <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to read whatever it is. Uh, enjoy the stuff you put out on The Athletic. And, uh, and of course, we'll be listening to the football GM as well. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, there he is, Randy Mueller, who does great stuff with The Athletic and um, has been in the league, was in the league for a really long time. Um, The Saints, Dolphins, uh, who is he with for like... He was with another team. He was with the Saints for a long time. Yeah, for um, even longer, though. Oh, the Chargers. He was with the Chargers for like a decade. What did you make of... Um, I, I 100% agree with him just in terms of the patience that's needed for quarterbacks. But if you bring that strategy to Chicago, where Luke Getz's seat at this point is on fire, not literally, but figuratively, you know what I'm talking about, like... I, I've made this unpopular opinion before. I've, I've stated it before. You stick with Justin Fields, you should stick with Lugetsi because yeah, I don't want to go through, if I'm the Bears, I don't want to put Justin Fields through that Jay Cutler storyline per se. Like, what did you make of what Randy said on that? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, it's I, complicated, I think he, man. It's complicated, and that's why it's been so layered and we've spent so much time talking about it, but I... I, I I think he's on the same page with us there. 
you know, and hearing his personal story too, you know, even talking about it at lower levels of football, but just, you know, the idea that staying in the same system for four years helped him. And if he could have one more year, it would have been even better. I think the problem here is I don't think the system and Justin Fields are together. I I don't, I, I get the sense that the offense coordinator would love to be running some different stuff with quarterback, get the ball out faster. Um, Well, this goes back to the conversation like earlier in the year where you had players running wide open, but Justin Fields can't get to him in terms of well seeing and then releasing the football. And there were some routes like that in the game Sunday, you know, getting back to the film. I mean, there's there's a play where Cole Komet's chipping and then running a deep route. Like, what do we think here? Is we six seconds for that to develop? I mean, it's just it's not gonna happen. Um so hearing him talk about like man, Shane Steichen would have loved to get his hands on Justin Fields. Like, that's what you need. You need a, and and Brian Johnson's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching job here in this cycle, but all this talk, and I've been leading the charge probably about Justin Fields potentially going back to Atlanta. Like, what Brian Johnson gets hired in Atlanta. Damn, that's a great fit. Like, you got to find the fit, but even more than what we see outside from a fit, internally that coach has to want Justin Fields and has to want to design his offense around the strengths and avoid the weaknesses. The Justin Fields story is all there for you. Like there's really no debating actually anymore what he's good at and what he's not good at. We've got that sample size. That sample size is large enough. And I think the question that has to be asked here in Chicago is, is that what they want? And it just seems like, especially with this coaching staff, it's not what they want. And that means probably the end of Justin Fields, because I don't think you can bring in new coaches and then run it back with a guy you're probably going to pick up his fifth year option on. How much do you think that extends to the front office of the Bears? That I don't know, because with the coaching staff, we have the evidence on tape. I don't I'd love to have a camera be able to sit in the the suite with Ryan Poles every single game, yeah. but like I, it, that's more of a guessing thing. But also, he's the one who hired these coaches, so yeah, well, he's at you again, think that, I mean, it's Maddie, it's Maddie Rufus's staff, but they worked together on it, right? And they had a vision together on what they wanted to run. I'm sure when they get went and got Luke Getzey, which at the time was applauded as a huge hire, so I think there's a much better chance that Luke Getze would still be here next year with a new quarterback than Justin Fields being here next year with a new coach. I think you've said it yourself. That is a extremely difficult sell to this fan base. I agree, but don't you agree with what I'm I agree with the premise. Yes. M- m- most likely I think both are gone, but a full where the defensive staff and Matt Eberflus remain in place but they try something completely anew offensively. Well, because getting back to your point, I mean, don't you think that'd be a really hard sell? Hey, Ryan Poles gets on the podium. We're keeping him at Iberflus. We believe in what he's done. And we're sticking with Luke Getze as the OC. 
going out and getting a new quarterback. Like, and he's probably not going to say that right away, but let's just say that's the end result. We believe in Luke Gessie to develop Caleb Williams. Ugh, I don't think that's going to go over well here. I just want to know who's on Matt Eberflus's shortlist then, because we always talk about like ownership groups and GMs having that list of potential head coaches, like in their nightstand, right on their phones, mm-hmm. always adding to it, subtracting to it. Like who is on Matt Eberflus's shortlist for offensive coordinator, given that, you know, I, I guess there's some questions about, well, well, maybe at that point you have some more confirmation that you'll be here longer than a year, right? But I'm just trying but to think a, like who's on that list. That, and that's the other part of this that continues to complicate it. That's why what you just walked through there is exactly why I'm not completely sold Fluces back. Because it's just going down the same cycle the Bears have been going down. Who's that? Who is that guy? Who is that OC he wants to bring in? And then what happens when that doesn't work? Now Caleb Williams has to deal with a new coaching staff in year two, and we're right back where we started with Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields. Frank Reich, Ken Dorsey. I mean, those are former play callers, dismissed play callers, but more experienced play callers with some degree of success. Some fast-rising quarterback coach. That's what you're looking at. That's why I'm I'm still a... A bring them all back, trade the first pick for a boatload of draft capital, or a restart the whole thing. It's all or nothing. But with that all, are you picking up the fifth-year option of Justin Fields? If you bring them all back? Yes, because I think you could still go into next year without it. I really do. If you still have some concerns. Because if you're trading the first pick... Of this draft, you're going to have two more first-round picks in 2025. My only objection to that is the Daniel Jones story. And I think Justin Fields better than Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. But I just feel like you're avoiding the inevitable by not picking up the fifth-year option. Where it's like the most likely scenario is you're in a tough spot the following year. Here's the thing. Like the, the giants were right not to pick up his fifth year option where they, where they failed. It was the new regime thinking they could win with Daniel Jones after one year of success. But I guess that's my point is then you get into next year and now you're a year down the road where you don't have the first pick, where you don't have access to Caleb Williams and you're going to be forced to pay Justin, just like the giants were for Like, I, I agree it was a mistake, but what other option did they have? Like, and that gets back to the timing here with the gift that, oh, by the way, is not a certainty now all of a sudden because the pan, you know, what the hell, Chris Tabor winning the football game? It's messed up. You know, they get one. Come on. They're going to get another one. You think so? I think so. The teams always do this. Look at the, the, look at last year. All right. So let's, let's play this out. Let's say the Panthers finish with the second pick. Does that make, the decision easier for Ryan Pulse because you could still trade that second pick, but you're not passing on Caleb Williams. Now you're passing on Drake May, who we just heard from Randy Mueller. There's questions about Drake May. Yeah. Ah, uh, you, you want the highest pick, okay, to have the the Agreed. 
the best options. But what is funny is all of a sudden the Texans, you look back on them and it's like, well, they didn't really actually hurt them that they lost that game. Or I'm sorry that they won that game, that Lovey Smith got them that victory. They ended up with CJ Stroud. They ended up with the better quarterback when it was all said and done. But all right. Um, that was a fun discussion. Sorry, I disappeared there for a second. Yeah. Technical difficulties. Well, what did I miss about Luke Getze? Uh, what did you miss about Luke Getze? He just, he was almost talking about Luke Getze as if he's like still going to be here, but it was mainly the conversation we just had. How does this quarterback fit what Luke Getze wants to do? And that's kind of the big, you know, the big question here. I'm not sure it matters because I think bringing Luke Getze back at this point, it would be a granted. I am fresh off that film. I just watched and is no doubt impacting my brain right now. As we have this discussion, it's like, Oh my God, that was rough to watch. I watched the first half last night, right before I went to bed, I woke up, I watched the second half. It's like sleeping was the best part of the last 12 hours (laughs) without a doubt. And I didn't get much sleep. All right. Um, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about the voicemails. We are going to do this slightly differently, mainly just because we the way we recorded this today, we're just basically out of time. So we will say goodbye here. We're going to tack the voicemails on to the end of the pod. Kent said like a hundred thousand people called in. So <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but it, but it was over a hundred. I think it was 110 or something voicemails came in, which is crazy. We're not playing them all. Otherwise, you guys would be here for another hour, but um, it is a longer version of the voicemail. So we'll tack those on right here to the end of the show. In the meantime, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. Uh, You can follow the show at Hogan Johns. Please go give us a follow over there. Hit subscribe on YouTube. I've said this before. Even if you're a podcast listener, do us a favor. Jump on YouTube and just hit subscribe for us uh, to help us build the channel up. Same thing. Even if you watch us on YouTube, go find the podcast on Spotify or Apple music, however you listen to it. Um, and just hit, hit subscribe there, rate and review. We appreciate the support. Send the links off to bears fans that, you know, this conversation is not going to end. It's interesting with this. There's three weeks left in the season, but it feels like there's not really going to be a break here with the bears until the draft is over. Um, and that's kind of how it was last year too. So uh, we're going to be here breaking it all down in the meantime. Uh, you can follow me, by the way, on CHGO, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, we got Cole Komet on the show today over there, live at noon on YouTube, or you can always catch it later um, as soon as it gets podcasted. Um, I think that's about it. All right. We're back. We'll be back Thursday. Kevin Fishbane's going to join us, the fish man. So we break down this Christmas Eve game against the Cardinals. Not so fun facts. Not so fun facts. Uh, so we will talk to you on Thursday. And of course, we'll end the show with the voicemails right here. See ya. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hoggy Cat, Gandhi, Bed Pop, the Pop here in the scum pockets of America, Cleveland, USA. 
I'm ready. I'm back on. I'm back on board, ready for the Bears to make a storming march to the Super Bowl. Let's see. Let's see if they win this game. It's a nonstop one-way ticket, direct route to the Super Bowl in L.A., I think, maybe. Who knows this year? Let's go, Bears. Let's take care of business in Cleveland. Then we can. We got two cupcakes, and then we got the uh, Green Bay Packers. What an end of the year. Starts today in Cleveland. Let's go, Bears. Guys, I am over Mooney's effort lately. What the hell's gotten into him? Cole Komet, hometown hero, baby, saving us from the most Bears drive of all time. You could have sent that drive in to the patent office, and they was issued a patent for Bears football. Bear down, baby. The Bears just passed on a field goal going into halftime. It's tied at seven. I don't understand this coaching staff. They're, they're going to come back, but they are terrible, terrible coaching staff. Remember that Hail Mary at the end of that half when the Bears are down three, needing to score in the fourth quarter, and yet again, they didn't take the points and force themselves into a position where Justin needs to go save these sorry coaches again. Who the f*** doesn't try to kick a field goal going into the half? Fire Eberflus tomorrow, yesterday. Every week, the Bears go on the field and they play two opponents. The opposing team and these gosh darn it refs. Shout out B-Man. So, uh, that's Montez. Thank God for Tyree Stevenson, but can we get somebody who can catch a punt? Hate to say it because I love the guy. Darnell Mooney sucks. I know nobody wanted to see the Browns score and tie it up, but don't worry. Got three minutes. We've got Luke Getzey at the helm. Ogan Johns, Papa Bear Alice calling in again. Take another break from spinning. Watching this Cleveland Browns game, I tell you what, two opportunities to kick a field goal. We have a good kicker. Cleveland's got a top defense. We can't move the ball, so naturally we go for it. I mean, I know something about it. I was a quarterback, a putter, a kicker, a linebacker, a shoot salesman, a mailman. And a dog walker. Um, anyway, back to spinning. Guys, what the fuck? I'm just, I'm just so tired, man. Fire Getsy on the sun. Hey, here's another one for the producer. Fire Luke Getsy into the sun. This pain we feel, this is the pain of salt type. My heart skipped a beat. Darnell Mooney had it in his hands. He fucking had it. I think we just watched The Replacements and Keanu Reeves or Falco just beat us. I didn't think my heart could be broken this way, and yet it was. Calling in post-game from Cleveland, Ohio. F*** this f***ing team. Fire f***ing Aberflus and Luke Getzey. I'm tired of this f***ing shit. Take the field goal at the end of half and even fourth and one. Give me a f***ing better play call. Done. This team. Hey Bears fans, B-Man here. It'd be nice if we would stop melting down during the games. Bear down! <laughs> <laughs>